If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Looking forward to our conversation today, Sabina, on what our listeners want to know. Several months ago, we threw out a question to our listeners and just to some of our clients and said, okay, we're in the 40s in terms of episodes. Topic-wise, what do you want to hear? What would be helpful? And uh, graciously, we received some great questions and some topics. And so today we thought we would pull a few of those and just have a discussion around some miscellaneous topics. So let's dive in. I love this first question. And it's a question we actually get quite often. And it is, how do you coach to expectations when no one else is hitting them? And that can be really challenging. So I'm going to take a stab at this one. Um, Sabina, I know you've got some great ideas on this as well. So we'll kind of take turns sharing our thoughts on this. But I really believe that the expectations or your expectations are what people see around them. Not what they've been given, you know, on a piece of paper, not what they've been told in training, but what they see around them. So if nobody else around them is hitting them, why should they? right? If you're looking around and you're not seeing anybody else doing it. So how do you even go about doing this? And you and I address this actually somewhat in our basics clinic when we show the video from the movie Facing the Giants. It's an old movie. I think it's from like the early 2000s, but it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah. And essentially, in this video clip that we show, the coach basically pulls one of the leaders from the team, but basically pulls him out and uses him as an example and basically puts a goal in front of him and helps him throughout this the process of this video clip, helps him achieve way more than he ever believed that he could. And along the way, the team that starts out disbelieving that it can be done starts to see, wow, look at he's doing it, right? And I think that is exactly what we need to do in a situation when nobody's hitting the expectations is pick the person that you believe has the most potential to be the leader and really pull them out, pull them aside, have a conversation with them and tell them, I believe in you, right? I mean, this is all about belief. And Sabina, you and I say this all the time, we have to drown our reps in belief. So you want to pick one rep to say, you know, we believe in you. We know you can do it. How can we help you? What's getting in the way? And really make them an example that other people can watch and can follow. That would be where I would start. In addition to that, you know, we talk about drowning them in belief. It actually starts with belief of leadership. Like your leadership has to believe that you have advisors 
that can hit this. Because if nobody else around you is believing that it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. The other place my mind goes with this question is the success cycle. We talk about how anytime you set a goal, anytime somebody sets a goal, they go through this process of disbelief. Like, I don't know, that's a big goal. I'm not sure I can hit it. And then they go to hopeful skepticism. Like, oh, wait, I'm making some progress. Maybe I can do it. To high performance. Look, mom, I'm doing it. No hands, right? And then once they hit the goal, it's that epic letdown and you have to start all over by setting a new goal. That is the process that I would put in front of the rep that I pull out to be the leader and say, hey, let's set a big goal. I know you can do this. Let's set some expectations. And here's what you can expect. This is probably how you're going to feel as you're going through this. But we're going to help you through this success cycle and help you through this process. So those are my initial thoughts. Sabina, what would you add to how to coach? Echo everything you said. Usually when this occurs, it's because you want to make a culture change. Like you want the culture to be that people hit these high expectations. And so the only other thing I would add is that you want to be transparent with that rep to say, we believe in you. We want to change the culture and we think you're the one that can help us do it. And we think you're the one that can help us do it. What do you think about that? Are you on board with that? Now, my experience with that is most people, when you pull them out of the herd and say, hey, we think you've got something and we want to really help you maximize that, they're always on board with it, right? Like they're excited about it. They're like, finally, because I'll tell you this, being in the middle of a crowd is comfortable for people. Like everybody wants to belong. And so if you're the shining star in a group of mediocre performers, it's kind of comfortable to stay there. Once people start to pull away, this is the other part you have to address. They start to pull away. People like imagine that people's hands grasping out, they want to pull them back, right? Because misery loves company. And they'll start to, you know, part of the group will be like, oh, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you're so much better than us? And you've got to be ready with that rep that you pulled out to address those things and to help them keep moving forward. Because I've seen people, we've done it before, where the person started to move forward, got some pushback from his peers. And so activity and results declined right back to the norm. You know, that's, there's just a lot to that. It's hard to change the culture with a group all at once. Everybody's so different. So you've got to, that, that pulling the, the star out is, I think, the, the way to go. And the success cycle is just a beautiful thing because it normalizes the processes and emotions that people go through when they're striving for something that's really big that they didn't think they could do. And, you know, being a leader for many people is a big motivator. So like you said, when you pull that one person out, they want to step up because they've now been recognized or tapped on the shoulder. I see that a lot with reps who aren't doing great, but then they're asked to be a mentor. And then all of a sudden, because they need to lead by example, they now have, they pick up their activity. Okay, second question. I thought this was a really interesting one, and I had not heard this before, is how do you keep the right balance of activity coaching or the science along with business coaching or the art? So excellent question. I would say, you know, not every meeting that you have with an FR is going to be the same step-by-step. Step. Like, I realize that we have a recommended five-step process that we ask people to follow, but it, you're not going to follow that same five steps every single day. Some days you're going to focus more on the science. Some days you're going to focus more on the art. And I would say a lot of that is intuitive. Um, a big part of activity coaching and being a really good, effective coach is listening to your gut. So much of activity coaching, I already said this, is about the science, but you have to know when to go into the art. And I would say follow the numbers. Let the numbers and specifically the ratios tell you where to go and when to go into the art. So if the ratios are off, 
there's often a skill issue there. So for example, let's say, you know, you're noticing a prospecting issue, right? Like they're not, maybe they're asking, but they're not getting enough QSs. Right away, you know, there's likely a skill issue there. So the science is telling you to go to the art. And that's when I would start digging in and asking some questions. Let's review your language, right? Let's talk about your process. That is the art side. So there really is a balance there. Another good example is if you're reviewing uh, numbers and you notice that, you know, their facts are turning into case opens, but their case opens aren't turning into closes or their closes aren't ending in any business. There's a couple things. So I like to ask, you know, how much joint work are they doing? How are you creating a sense of urgency in your meetings? I like to review Granum's four reasons people don't buy, no need, no money, no hurry, no trust, and talk to the FRs about those things. Those are the artful pieces. Now, having said that, our meetings are only 15 minutes, right? And so there is a time and a place like you're not going to be able to spend 45 minutes with them talking about no need, no money, no hurry, no trust. So that is when we have to remember that you are not the only person there for this rep. It takes a village, right? And you have there are mentors, there are GDDs, you've got your, you know, MD, you have a whole team of people. That is when I start to defer out to the rest of the team and say, you know what, why don't you schedule 30 minutes with, you know, your mentor to actually do some role play or to go, you know, talk a little bit more about the sales cycle in this issue specifically, because there's no way you're going to get to the level that you need to in that 15 minute meeting. Hopefully that answers the, the person's question. But what would you add to that, Sabina? To me, the division between activity coach and like GDD, mentor, MD is always joint work and case development. So I'm not the one who's going to help someone develop a case and, and your reps will love to take you down that path where I got this case, but that's not really my area of expertise. My job is to make sure you're doing enough of everything. Your mentor, GDD, MD, their job is to make sure you're doing it the right way, like your process and your language and so forth. Now I'll do quick hit language things like phoning language is usually pretty quick. Sometimes I won't necessarily do prospecting language role play, but I'll do the getting the affirmative role play because that's usually the broken link when if they're struggling and prospecting sometimes. But that that's the case. And and really in that five step process, that third step, the coaching, that's the heart of the coaching piece. That's really where you have maximum flexibility. Like some days you're going to just talk about philosophy and and the art side. Some days you're going to notice that their ratios are way off. I mean, that's where that flexibility is in that. And this is where, so what you said about, you know, Granum's four reasons that people don't buy, those are what we talk about in that third section. You bring little nuggets of wisdom to them, you know, little quotes or, or little pieces of things that give them something to think about and talk about. It is a balance, and I don't think it's an equal balance. Maybe we shouldn't use the word balance. It's a blend, and some days you're going to be lots of science, and other days you might be no science and all art, as long as you're just not all the time only one or all the time only other. Yeah, because if you think about it, you're going to have a lot of activity coaching meetings in the first six months, so you have a lot of opportunities. And as we always say, you're not going to solve every problem in every meeting. You know, every meeting is not going to be like a light bulb moment. <laughs> There are those moments, especially early on when you have somebody really new where there are so many issues and you just want to dive into all of them and you're chomping at the bit and you only have 15 minutes and you just have to pick one and go with it and make a note and say, okay, next time we're going to address this. 
Okay, third question. Can you talk a little bit about business professionalism and how you handle things such as dressing professionally and being late? (laughs) So this one, I would say grooming in general, right? I think about things like hair, but I also think when you say professionalism, I think about like your energy and how you're showing up, how you're coming across, nonverbal cues, all of those things. We could probably do a whole podcast episode on just this one. And you know what? I I think someday- Actually, we probably could. I know. I think someday we should do one on just all the funny stories. So I would say COVID and going virtual did not help us with this issue at all. I feel like it started with, you know, business on the top and PJs or sweats on the bottom. And now we've just lost control. And somehow it's just graduated to t-shirts and hoodies all day long (laughs) as I'm sitting here in my hoodie. But I don't have client facing meetings. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) Let me just say, I have definitely experienced this. um, And I know that working from home probably is impacting this. I know that managing partners right now are working hard on trying to get people to come back into the office, and it hasn't been an easy transition, but I think we have to get people out of their homes and back into the office because I really do think it's going to up their professional game. Now, having said that, like virtual meetings is just going to be a reality for us moving forward. It's one of those things where we open Pandora's box and it's not going away. You know, not just so that they're addressing more professionally connections, learning, skill building, mental health, so much more. Like there's so many reasons they need to be getting into the office, not just the professionalism stuff, but there's a hundred reasons. So what do we do about it? This is where I believe we need to use a little bit of what we've talked about is radical candor, Kim Scott's radical candor, where we just need to be direct and honest. And I've just had to tell people point blank, and I like to use humor. I don't know about you, Sabina, but I'll use humor and I'll say, oh, you just roll out of bed today? Like literally I'll ask that. And then they kind of laugh, you know, oh, well, it is kind of early in the morning. And I'll say, well, I'm hoping that you're going to change before you meet with your clients, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's how I will start. Like I will start by asking those questions and kind of, I don't want to say indirectly, but sort of beating around the bush. But eventually if it continues, I will point blank ask them, because again, asking questions is more powerful than telling them. I will ask, how do you think you're coming across professionally or are you coming across the way you want in your meetings? Are you professional enough? How do you believe your clients are perceiving you? There's a lot of questions that you could ask. And typically, I don't want to say they're going to lie, but oftentimes they're like, oh, no, no, I I put a suit on and whatnot ahead of time. But even if they aren't, I've made them think about how they're being perceived. That's a, a couple other things I would say too. I mentioned energy earlier on. I have two reps right now that I am coaching, and oof, they are giving me a run for my money. One of them, and I, I don't mean to be picky, but like literally his hair is like out of control, and it's like in his eyes, and literally, it looks like he just rolled out of bed, and it looks like a rat's nest, and I'm like, oh my word. And eventually, I just had to tell him, is this the image that you want to portray? And do you, how do you believe this is impacting? And you know what? Not to say that, you know, I'm sure there are people that will do business with him, but I just want to make sure that he's making the connection. The other FR that I have that I'm challenged with right now, professionally, his energy level, he's struggling in the business. And so I think he's questioning the business and his energy is very low. And when we get on calls, he's slouched over. He's not really making eye contact. He's got his head in his hands. His, you know, eyes are kind of rolled. He just is not engaging. And I have point blank called him out on it and said, I'm concerned about your energy. Tell me more about how you're feeling. As the conversation progressed, I did end up saying, I I just need to be honest with you. I want to tell you the kind truth. If I were your prospect on the other end of the line, I would not be excited to do business with you. 
you do not seem like you enjoy what you're doing. You don't seem passionate about what you're doing. And I would not have any interest in moving forward with you. How do you feel about that? And we had an excellent conversation around it. He was like, my energy is low. I am struggling. And I said, to what extent do you think that's impacting? You know, what you put out into the universe is what you're going to get back. And you're putting out tiredness and exhaustion and lack of belief. So I think you just have to call it out and have real meaningful conversations with people. Yep. And I think to your point, if you can get them to be introspective, to flip it, to ask them, how do you think people perceive you? That's not something they get asked very often. So all of a sudden they're kind of like, oh, and they're thinking about it. They might waffle around when you're meeting with them, but they're going to go away and think about that. The other thing I would say, this is what's been interesting, having been around as long as I have. The definition of professional dress has evolved over time, right? Like we went through a phase of casual Fridays and then that got really out of control. So then people went back to, you know, the formal suits and so forth. And I think part of it is, looking at the trends around you and seeing what, not that you have to be like everybody else. I'm, I'm not a fan of that ever of that necessarily, but you know, understanding is suit and tie. Is that the definition, you know, and who are you meeting with? Cause I, I just remember reading something about Bill Gates a long time ago that he wears these golf shirts and khakis or whatever. And if you showed up to pitch him or interview with him or something in a suit and tie, it's like, he wouldn't even talk to you. So I think you have to know who you're meeting, but I just think being, you have to know your market. Yeah. And you have to know what people expect. A managing partner from a long time ago said, you got to ask yourself questions like this. You know, he was talking about it from a recruiting perspective, but you can ask, would people be comfortable having me in their home being as I am right now? Would they buy from me as I am right now? Would I be, would I be comfortable meeting top producers or CEOs as I am right now? If you say yes to all those questions, then there you are. You know, it's a touchy question sometimes when you're talking to people about their hair, their grooming, their clothing, you know, their appearance in general. And I think it's an even more fraught conversation today. You have to be very caring and, you know, understanding about a lot of different factors. I think you're, I think you're exactly right. If you get them to think about themselves and how people perceive them, because honestly, even people who do coaching for a living don't always, stop, I mean, I don't always stop and think about how people perceive me, right? But when I do, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, it makes me really, really think, you know, maybe I should change this or change that. And I think sometimes you can ask people or give people, I have given this assignment to people, very few actually do it, to get feedback from other people like from their mentors, from some of their clients that they feel comfortable with, ask them, how has your experience been with me? How do you perceive me? What do you think about me? It's about personal branding is really the deal. What brand do you want to put out there? What do you want people to say about you? That's another good question. What do you want people to say about you? All right, last question. How do you coach a person you don't like? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, I know. This rarely happens, to be honest. I feel like I do enjoy most people I coach. But unfortunately, I do have a person right now that I am really struggling with. So I have three words, patience, patience, and patience. <laughs> Ironically, patience is one of the three pillars that Sabina and I talk about in our recommended coaching foundation. And we do. I, I think in those situations, you just need to be patient. I also love the, the Lincoln quote, Abraham Lincoln. He says something along the lines of, I don't like you very much. I probably need to get to know you better. So it, for me, it really comes down to relationships. Uh, relationships are huge. So if I don't like somebody, I really, what questions can I ask to get to know them better? 
I also want to understand their values. Oftentimes it's just a difference in values or a difference in the definition of values. So I will have a conversation around that. Also, I would ask yourself, is it just me? Am I the only person that doesn't like this person. Sometimes I think it helps to ask others around you on the leadership team, you know, how are you experiencing this person? Are you having any problems with them? Find out if it is, if it's just you, or maybe there is something about them that makes it very difficult to connect or that makes them unlikable. You know what? It is okay. Ultimately, if they are a better fit for someone else to coach them, if you have the option, right? If you have the option to have somebody else coach, I think it's okay to make that switch and use the resources that you have, right? Use your culture indexes, your Harrisons, whatever tools and resources that will help you pair them correctly. And then a couple other things. I would say be vulnerable and honest with them. I have had to tell people I'm really having a hard time connecting with you or I'm having a hard time coaching you. There seems to be a disconnect and I'm not sure what it is. And people are usually open to that. Oftentimes, it's because each of you haven't been vulnerable with each other and really opened up. And so that connection isn't there. So if you open up and you're vulnerable, they will open up. And next thing you know, that relationship is being built and it gets a little bit easier. And then, like I said in the last question, I do like to use humor. Like, so I, you know, I'll say things like, oh, you're killing me, Smalls. You know, like, (laughs) you know, just something to kind of crack the ice and be like, wow, we are just like oil and water here. Just to kind of get that conversation going to let them know that I'm struggling. And then last but not least, I think we sometimes just have to pull up our big person pants and buck up and deal with it because it's our job and we need to be professional and we're not always going to like everybody that we work with. Um, My kids come home every day complaining about the group project that they're in and this person isn't pulling the weight and I'm like, welcome to life. You're going to deal with this forevermore and you will have people in your life that you have to work with that you don't like and you're just going to have to find a way to deal with it. So that's my two cents, maybe two dollars worth on that one. How about you, Sabina? Nope. I like all of that. Um, And sometimes I think when we don't like someone or we don't connect to them, it's because they do things way differently than we do. Like if we tried to do things the way they did, we would not make it, you know? So I had read somewhere along the line too, that sometimes the things you like least in other people are a reflection of the things you like least in yourself. And once I've got onto that idea, whenever I find that I don't connect or I might cross purposes with somebody, I think about that. And I think, what does that say about what I think about myself too? You know, now overall, I think they weren't always like this. Like, how did they get this way? Like, how did this person get so mean or so crabby or so negative? And I think about them as a little baby, you know, and growing up in, you know, being a little kid and, you know, all those times in life where you're just, you don't know to mask your feelings or do all that kind of stuff. And I think, I wonder what they were like then and what kind of history they have that turned them into the person that's before you, because that's who we all are, right? We're kind of a product of our surroundings and circumstances and all of that. So I think it just helps. Yeah, it's called, it's one of the sage powers for those of you that practice or are familiar with positive intelligence. One of the sage powers is empathy. And they actually talk about looking at them and thinking about them as a child, because it does just make you more empathetic to who they are. Yes, because they generally weren't born that way. (laughs) Right. So, but I think you're right. You just have to do your job with people. It's your job be an adult, be a professional. So, all right. Well, those are the four that we are going to tackle in our 25 to 30 minute time frame today. Uh, keep the questions coming. We love your questions. We're always looking for topics. We want to absolutely. Be, yeah. We want to be focused on what you want to hear. So thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you with us next time. 
Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.